Howdy, Howdy from, from Houston. Houston. I'm Kate. And I'm Hannah. And today we are talking about women in society. So this kind of, this episode came up after we had a lecture from one of our professors members, yeah. about female reproductive histology and physiology. Mm-hmm. So how the female reproductive system works. And when he was talking about the uterus, he was saying that the uterus is just angry and likes to yeah. contract and cause painful periods and yeah, things very like that. Angry facial expressions, talking about this horrible organ that is just mean to its, you know, its human that it's in. And yeah, very, very negative vibe in the whole class. Yeah, which I thought and yeah, we mm-hmm. thought was really unfortunate because why are we hating on a part of our body that, you know, gives yeah if anything it's the coolest part of the body it really is yeah (laughs) literally grows an entire human inside this thing that's like the size of your fist yeah that's insane it's crazy and so we were thinking about this concept and how we don't think it's a reflection on our professor at all right we more think it's a reflection on society and how a lot of society and a lot of women view parts of ourselves as bad Mm -hmm. and unpleasant right and just like it sucks to be this way yeah and a lot of parts about ourselves that are unavoidable or you can't change them i.e having a period or a period Mm -hmm. yeah i mean a lot of women have painful periods yeah 70 to 80 percent in fact (laughs) from a quick google search perhaps more I, I feel like I know so, like almost every woman. Yeah, anecdotally, I, I would say pretty much every woman I know has had a painful period. Yeah, and sometimes some periods can be like debilitating mm-hmm. where you're just in the fetal position yeah. and don't want to move. You Yeah, you can't. Like, it's yeah. so painful. Yeah, which if your period lasts a few days to a week every month, mm-hmm. then... That can be up to three months a year where you just hate your life, which that is, is a lot of time. Really unfortunate. One, one more time, three months. Yeah. Out of the year, you hate your life. That's really sad. <laughs> Why are we accepting this? Yeah. With all this women's rights and everything, I say no more. No more. <laughs> I'm with you, Kate. <laughs> I say no more. Um. And I just feel like us complete. Sorry us complaining about our periods is really disempowering because it's something we can't control. Right. It's going to happen. Well, fun fact, if you're on hormonal birth control, you don't get a period that's just a withdrawal bleed. Side note, but for women who have a quote-unquote regular period, whether it's, you know, good or bad, I don't know. If you have a period and you complain about it, it's you're complaining about a part of yourself that you can't control. It's like complaining about... Having blue eyes. Blue eyes, <laughs> right. Or like big boobs yeah. or small boobs. It's just like you can't control it. So mm-hmm. why not why don't we learn to embrace it instead yeah. of trying to trying to avoid it? Yeah, I feel like a lot of times a period is treated like a disease. Mm. You know, like yeah. when you have a cold or when you have the flu, you're given medication to make that better and to deal with the symptoms and to manage the symptoms and a lot of times periods are treated as things that have symptoms a word that is more often associated with disease right and your period is not a disease it is something that you are going to experience month after month after month for as long as you are a fertile human you know and 
and that's not, it's like, it's not something that, like, if, okay, if you had the flu once a month for the rest of your life, or until you were, like, 50, yeah, for a week, (laughs) like, like, you, I don't know, you probably wouldn't treat it the same way that you would treat having a flu once a season, you know? Or once even every other year. Yeah. Flu every year. Yeah. Yeah. And with painful periods, usually there's something deeper going on. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're exercising too much because a lot of women in high school, Mm -hmm. you know, are on sports teams. They're super busy. Maybe they're really stressed out. That could contribute to painful periods. Maybe they're not eating right. That could contribute or maybe just eating the wrong foods for their own body. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that can contribute to painful periods, which is actually kind of good news because once you know that, you can start experimenting which with sorry with what might help your periods and yes. make them a little more pleasant and mm-hmm. honestly kind of relaxing because when you quick little fact when you get your period the hormone in your body that is the predominant hormone so women have estrogen and progesterone the predominant predominant hormone is progesterone and that reduces anxiety reduces stress Mm -hmm. a lot of times will make women a little more introspective you kind of maybe may feel a little more like a homebody Mm -hmm. and it's really I find it really relaxing nowadays I used to hate it but (laughs) now I really like it and I love being cozy in my room and I think a lot of it has to do with just developing a good relationship with your period similar to studying for example like if you really hate studying like it might be because you don't have a good environment set up for you to study in right you know like kate and i have to study all the time for school (laughs) so we try to make our study environment as cozy and wonderful and you know educationally and positive as possible you know so we have we have like a little candle and we have nice lighting and we have a nice big screen and um and a comfortable chair and nice music in the background yeah so similar to your period like you want to make sure that you set yourself up to have a comfortable happy relationship with your period so the week that you know that your period's gonna come if you know that it's you know, something that is painful for you, like making sure that your schedule maybe is a little bit lighter that week or scheduling your time a little bit differently, knowing that maybe you'll need a little more time at home or you'll need to rest a little bit more, whatever that means for you. Or maybe scheduling in, if you're, if you work out a lot, maybe scheduling in some low resistance workouts, like some walking, some yoga. You don't need to be hitting the hit workouts. Actually, fun fact if you are hitting those really hard workouts on your period, you might actually gain weight. Yeah, it could be doing the opposite effect of what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, so it's really, I think it's really about, at the end of the day, listening to your body. Mm -hmm. If you're having painful periods, maybe ask your body, what do you need? Kind of like intuitive eating is becoming kind of a fad, Mm -hmm. I think. Well, which is, you know, a good thing. But (laughs) kind of the same thing with your period. Like, hey, body, what do you need? Yeah, tune into I that. mean, there's there's a reason why your body responds in certain ways to any kind of stimulus, you know? Exactly. When you are injured, like, you feel pain because right. something is wrong, you know? Right. So, like, it says, some- don't, don't move this part of your body, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does not bend this way. <laughs> yeah. So, similarly, similarly, like, your period, if you're experiencing pain, like, not saying that pain is abnormal because like there there is going to be some cramping a lot of times associated with periods as part 
of that shedding process. But if you're experiencing severe pain, like that's not normal. Yeah. You know, so there could be something else in your life that needs to be addressed that might be contributing towards that pain. Yeah. And a big one really is stress. Mm-hmm. And speaking to severe period pain, if you really do have severe period pain, there are other medical causes for it. Mm-hmm. One of them is endometriosis, for example. Right. So if your period pain really is debilitating every time, definitely go get checked out by your gynecologist. Right. We're not saying that, you know. Yes. All these things work for everyone. Right. There are, your... There's always going to be something specific and nuanced. This is more in general exactly. for the majority of people type of scenarios. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another area in society where I think uh, women kind of get the short end of the stick is cosmetic surgery. Mm, um, yeah. So cosmetic surgery, and this is this is just a disclaimer here. This is specifically about superficial cosmetic surgery, not reconstructive cosmetic surgery. So this is not for deformities or, um, you know, injuries or things like that. Specifically talking elective surgeries to look more feminine or quote unquote feminine societies feminine society's current view current view of of feminine feminine. accurate yeah Um, and another disclaimer uh men i know also have this severe you know outlook of society of what a perfect male body is supposed to look like but i think one of the big differences between men and women in that regard is the encouragement for how to get that type of body is different for women it's more often go get plastic surgery to change the way you look. Um, and a lot of times it's changed the way you look in a way that is impossible to change without surgery. Like right. you're like getting bigger lips or something like that, you know, or a different nose, you yeah. know, whereas men, it's a, it's more often go to the gym, you know, get a six pack or whatever. And a lot of times, you know, I'm not saying that that is realistic for men, but more often for women, it's it's cosmetic, it's surgery, it's something that they could not physically change on their own. Mm-hmm. So, Which is... yeah, it's not a not a healthy way to view yourself and view your body. Because I think um, for some people, yes, I do think that like it can help boost personal confidence if it is a very personal decision. If it is strictly because you yourself want this for you, not because anybody else is pushing you to feel this way or thinks that you should look a certain way. But I would challenge you to question it. Mm-hmm. I challenge you to question why you're interested in in changing the way you look or cha- changing something about who mm-hmm. you are cosmetically. Um, because a key thing about cosmetic surgery is it is exactly that. It is cosmetic. It is superficial. It is on the surface. So it's not addressing those deeper emotional traumas that maybe you have those insecurities from you know what I mean right exactly yeah no Hannah I think you're articulating this very well (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah well that's the thing like if you're not happy with yourself now Mm -hmm. and how you look right now what's what is going to truly bring you happiness right and a lot of the times in my own life anyway I found that that comes from the inside Mm I and to that note, when I'm working out a lot, not a lot, a good amount for me, mm-hmm. and I have a good schedule with that, I feel good, and I think I look good, and that 
body shape for me is not much different than when I'm not working out and not feeling very good about myself. Mm -hmm. So yes, like in this example, working out does change how I look a little bit, but it really, that comes from the inside for me. And I would imagine it comes from the inside for the majority of people as well. And changing something about your outside, well, okay, so for example, maybe you changed how your nose looks. Mm -hmm. Great. You're happy with that for a little while. Now, what else are you noticing? Now that, especially now that you have that option open to change how you look and now you know you've you've paid for it once, so Mm -hmm. maybe now you can feel more comfortable paying for it the next time. So maybe you go get breast implants or... Gateway cosmetic surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's just, it's just, if you want to go down that route just and and there's just so many side effects for for a lot of it that's another thing I don't think people are I'm not saying this is at the fault of the patient meaning the person who would be having the cosmetic surgery I think it's more at the fault of uh one doctors and two society of just it's because the the whole market of cosmetic surgery was not built for health you know right it was built to make money Right. You know, and so their, their primary concern, like, yes, you are going to have doctors that care about you and want to make you feel better and feel more confident, but they're exactly the, the, the whole thing was built around making money. So it's not going to be this thing that, that you're, you as the patient are going to be super educated in, you know, a doctor probably isn't going to go into as much detail of the risks of surgery and like how dangerous it can be or the side effects of it all as they would with some other type of surgery. Right. And I mean, elective surgery in general can just get like a little dicey. Like going in and getting a nose job electively is way more socially acceptable than walking into the ER saying, hello, I would like to have my appendix taken out for no apparent reason. You know, well, some days <laughs> I actually want to do that. <laughs> I get nervous about appendicitis. <laughs> yeah. But hey, your appendix is doing stuff in there, okay? So, like, no need to take it out. <laughs> I don't know. I actually have no idea. I think, I think it's uh, debatable. That's a debatable <laughs> oh, okay, topic okay, out there. Okay, I think, okay. like, at one point in time it was declared, ah, it's useless, take it out. Oh. But, but now it's like, hmm. Wait a second. Maybe not. It might be helping with some like, you know, heavier digestions, like heftier meats and things like that. But mm-hmm. tangent. Yeah. No, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just think I think cosmetic surgery. Like, first of all, no judgment to anyone who has had cosmetic surgery. Um, whatever your motivations were for it, I just think moving forward and for women in general, like really be retrospective about it and and ask yourself where that motivation is coming from like is it because of what other people think about you is it because of something that like maybe you're lacking in love from something or from somewhere you right. know and and question question this too you know like let's say you do you know get a boob job or something like that you know and and now you're getting all this attention from other people and it feels good at first right because you know you feel, everybody loves getting attention you know it's nice to, it's yes, nice to yes. get attention from people I always but then but then ask the question like are you comfortable knowing that this person is giving you attention because you are no longer looking like who you originally were like right. is that something that you're comfortable with you know so there's right. things to question about cosmetic surgery and 
since we live in a capitalist society, going back a little bit to mm-hmm. your point about it's a money-making right. business, yeah, yeah, yeah. I also don't think majority of the time it's on the doctors because I think a lot of people get cosmetic surgery due to marketing mm-hmm. and seeing agree. other people and how happy they are in that moment with their cosmetic surgery and just seeing, oh, this woman got a boob job. She looks great. I want one too. Right. And doctors want to make you feel more confident. Right. I think I would, I'm choosing yeah. to think doctors come from a good place majority of the time. Yeah. Because that's would, why they got into the profession. Right. And I, th- I think to that note too, like doctors are a part of society. So exactly. they are also being flooded just like you and me with exactly. the same ideology that like cosmetic surgery builds confidence and makes people better and makes them happier. And, exactly. and so, you know, we're all drinking from the same water cooler, you know? Exactly. So, and I, so I think a lot of this might come from, you know, who makes the breast implants, who makes all the injectables, mm-hmm. who makes the, I, what, butt injectables. I don't even know what those are called, but like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people who make money off of surgeries mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Why do you think surgery costs so much money? Yeah. You know, especially an elective surgery, like that doesn't need to cosmetic happen. surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Like and there's a reason they, it's not covered by insurance. Yeah. And if they can <laughs> shame you enough into thinking into you truly believing your body mm-hmm. isn't good enough for whatever reason, yeah. then they're winning. So just all I'm saying is if you want the bad guys to win, you know, <laughs> <laughs> then go get a nose job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. So another point we had about how uh, women, this is a little bit, so our next point, talking point was birth control, mm-hmm. which is a little bit less of how we dislike parts of our bodies but it's a little more of the quick fix side Mm -hmm. I think because you go to the gynecologist you have a problem or you don't even have a problem you just are like hey I don't want to get pregnant right now I'm 20 years old Mm -hmm. in college or even younger have acne and birth control this birth control this birth control this like right I remember the first time I went and asked for birth control I was given one option because the the gyne- or not not even gynecologist, my family doctor, my pediatrician was like, "This is the best one. You should do this. I'm not even gonna talk about any other options with you." And I was like, "Oh, Ooh, okay." Yikes! <laughs> Little did, and I knew nothing at the time mm-hmm. about birth control, but now I know that there are some serious side effects to hormonal birth control, mm-hmm. including mood changes such as. Uh, increased anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation, decreased sex drive, mm-hmm. migraines and headaches, acne, breast tenderness, weight gain, hair loss. A lot of things. A lot of different things. And I got this information from uh, Natural Cycles website, which, just for fact-checking, <laughs> you can probably find this anywhere on Google. So as a young person who was a bit more anxious back then maybe I shouldn't have gone on birth control Mm -hmm. and maybe it shouldn't have been a quick fix maybe I should have been told hey Kate you can only get pregnant five six days of the month you when you ovulate maybe I should have I didn't even know what an ovulation was until like eight months ago when I (laughs) Even after I took the MCAT, which talked about it, but this was when I was doing my own research about women's cycles and periods, and I was like, oh, wait, 
ovulation is important. Like, mm-hmm. it's so important for women's health. It is an indicator of health and it creates health in our bodies. So kind of like I mentioned before, the two hormones, estrogen and progesterone, those are modulated by ovulation. So just mm-hmm. like a man has testosterone, that regulates a lot of his function. We have estrogen and progesterone, estrogen a little bit more before our period, progesterone a little bit more uh, right before and during our period. Right. And these hormones are so important in making sure we are healthy, happy, high-functioning women. Yeah, especially and considering, you know, your your entire body is a system. It's Exactly. Not, it's not little tiny systems that are just, you know, stacked on top of each other inside of the skin sack, you know? Like right. We, every part of your body works together with the other part of the body, you know? So there's, if you turn off function for one part of the body, it's not just turning off function there. It's having an impact everywhere. Exactly, and that's why when you take hormonal birth control, which you stop ovulation, which then affects a bunch of other processes in your body. And Mm -hmm. a lot of women on birth control also might have irritable gut syndrome or irritable bowel syndrome. I don't know, gut issues. Mm -hmm. And that's just another, I don't know, like Like a side effect, you know, and it's, and it's chalked up to being, Oh, a side effect of birth control. Right. That we just, again, that we just have to live with. Yeah. Why are we accepting this as women? Why are we disempowering ourselves? Yeah. It really, to me, birth control just seems like you're trading what society views as the symptoms of a period for the symptoms of birth control, you know? Right. <laughs> like, right. It's not much like, cause you're, you're either going to like, as the way society views it, you know, deal with the pain and how awful a period is, or you can take on birth control and they make it look like this happy, shiny thing and try to sweep under the rug, all the other really bad side effects that come with that. So it's like either way, society is saying that, birth control either naturally or you know by um a pill or by you know an iud whatever it is all around society views it as a negative thing yeah yeah well and yeah i agree and Mm -hmm. this is not to say that birth control hasn't done things for women right it's we're saying all this and birth control has definitely been instrumental in women's Mm -hmm. rights yes we started learning about hey we we can go do things we don't get pregnant And now we know that you can not take birth control, not completely destroy your body Mm -hmm. and still not get pregnant because it's literally science that you can only get pregnant when you ovulate, right? (laughs) Yeah. You're in the beginning of time. This is (laughs) right. Well, in any animal, if you think about it, you know, women ovulating is like we're quote unquote laying our egg Mm -hmm. to put it simply, if you want to think about it like a different animal, and that egg can only stay alive for so long, and the sperm cells can only stay alive for so long. Yeah. And so as long as you are, you know, very, very careful inside that window, if you don't want to have a baby, then outside of that window, you physically can't get pregnant. Yeah. And it's not that difficult to figure out when you ovulate. Yeah, like, I there's... think that's another thing about, you know, the society view on um, women's cycles uh, is the lack of education and the perpetuation of the lack of education. You know, right. like 
I watched a video in fifth grade with the rest of the girls in my class. And that was the extent of me learning about what a cycle was, Yeah, you know, and I didn't, I didn't learn that information again until I chose to go and try and find a video on YouTube to understand it while I was studying for the MCAT. And I'm like, I'm 22 or three years old, however old I was. And I'm like, how do I not know what goes on inside my body? Right. You know? And so that, that is kind of like my biggest beef with most of this is I feel like it has been stigmatized as something that's awkward and something we shouldn't talk about and something that's a little uncomfortable. So because of that, women don't want to educate themselves and men, they don't want to educate themselves either because it feels like a taboo topic. Right. So if we just made it less taboo and incorporated it into education, whether that be an anatomy class in high school, right. Educate both men and women. Yeah. A serious anatomy class that teaches you about what goes on in your body, especially around reproductive health yes because it is I mean it's so important if you want to not have babies when yeah. you don't want to have babies. prevent teen pregnancy exactly yeah just teaching girls how women how their periods work and you know? not making it awkward because of course the teenagers are going to feel awkward but you as right. an adult you know I eventually will be a parent in however many several years because I need to finish school first (laughs) (laughs) but eventually I'm going to be a parent and that conversation is going to be up to me Mm -hmm. to to say hey this is what happens and as the adult you guide the conversation and you don't have to make it awkward yeah if you as the adult are are perpetuating the awkward vibe then like that's that's on you like it's the the teenager is going to feel awkward just like you said you know so like it's it's up to you as the adult to have, like, to take the reins of that conversation and make it not awkward so that moving forward, hopefully for the next generations, that it becomes less of an awkward conversation. Exactly. And we just know things and we are empowered yeah. when we go to the gynecologist Knowledge office. is power. Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you go to your doctor to talk about this stuff, you are informed and they don't you don't have the experience I did and I'm sure a lot of other women did where it was just like do this period Mm -hmm. yeah and if you don't do this then I don't have any other things to say to you yeah and if you aren't if you don't have some sort of education about how your body works like you are putting your trust in this person who is educated right and and not to say that that's a bad thing but like you you don't have anywhere else to turn at that point if you aren't educated in this so what other options do you have other than to trust this person who said, take this pill every day for the rest of your life? Right. Yeah. And wreck your body and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. So education is important. And if you know about all the side effects, if you know about how to actually regulate your period, and if you know all this stuff, then I think anyone should make the decision they want to make, whether that's hormonal birth control or non-hormonal birth control or natural methods or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I just think there's just not enough education. I 100% agree. Yeah. Education is power. And women, we are about empowering women. Empower (laughs) women, get some knowledge. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So our final topic for women in society is um, kind of bringing it full circle here is women versus women. Yeah. Um, Oof. I don't know about you, Kate, but like, I definitely feel like in life, in my accomplishments, in my struggles, in every aspect of it, the biggest critics are other women. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Just in most, even a lot in just, I don't know, day to day life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be really small or it can be really big. It can be 
getting your dream job or it can be what you decided to wear that day you know <laughs> yeah what I worry what I worry about like and mm-hmm. people judging me it's I never really worry about men judging me for things yeah <laughs> I feel like it's and th- this is something that I think uh you can look at as what came first the chicken or the egg you know yeah did were, are, are women inherently judgy of each other and society is just perpetuating that or did society start it and now we as women are perpetuating it you know right. so yeah either way though however it started it's something that i think needs to stop yeah you know? and we have again seeing the power we have the power to stop it we do yeah like i i feel like it's more of a challenge to approach uh overcoming something that is considered like really really good for a woman to overcome, i.e., you know, Mm -hmm. pursuing engineering or, you know, being, uh, the minority woman in whatever it is that you're pursuing. I feel like the, the hardest part of that is facing the other women involved with that. Um, and feeling the pressure from other women, you know, like for, from personal experience in college, you know, I was in mechanical engineering and I know Kate was also engineering, you know, so we had, we both have engineering backgrounds where, more people in the classes that we were in were men. And I felt like well, that wasn't... for me... Okay, quick oh, side note. Okay. For me, I think it was a little more 50-50. Okay. Because I was biomedical. That's true. And that's... There are a lot of women in... Yeah, in biomed, yeah. definitely. At least at, at A&M, I know biomed was the only discipline in engineering where there were more women Yeah, than that men. could have been... It, it was probably mm-hmm. at least half and half or more women. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yes, I can imagine... With mechanical, mechanical definitely a lot of guys who want to build cars and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there were a lot more men in my class than women. And there wasn't a single man that pointed that out. It was only women pointing that out to me. And it was like, they were pointing it out in a way where they were placing an expectation on me that I needed to do really well. And I needed to get really good grades and I needed to be top of my class because, because because I'm a woman and not just because they wanted me to be a successful engineer. Yeah. You know, they wanted me, they wanted me to be a successful woman engineer. Yeah. You know, and show all those men that exactly. we can do the same, but we can do the same thing. We can, yeah. And it's just not a big deal. Again, kind of like our last episode. Mm-hmm. No we big can. deal. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. You and know? I, so you I, want think, to. I think this like woman versus woman thing can show up in sneaky ways as well as obvious ways. Obvious ways being like women straight up criticizing other women. Right. Um, but in other ways. Or judging people for their life choices. Exactly. But in other ways criticizing them in a way that is like or motivating to do that do something because they are specifically a woman like that that is that can be just as damaging as criticizing some other woman because they're a woman you know yeah well because then I feel like if you're if you're motivating a woman because she's a woman for example orthopedics Mm -hmm. I know you're interested in orthopedics there aren't a lot of women in orthopedics sure so Someone might say to you, oh, Hannah, you have to do really well because you're, you're representing women orthopedics. Exactly. And you have to bring women into orthopedics and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just like, whoa, that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And, like, I don't necessarily want that. I don't right. necessarily want to bring more women into orthopedics. Not because I want to spoil the boys club or whatever, but because I want women to do whatever they want to do. Right. So if more women pursue gynecology because they are they are interested in it, mm-hmm. like, 
great. That's what I want. Right. I want that for them. I want women to feel like they can pursue whatever, in medicine at least, whatever specialty they want to pursue or in life, whatever job or career or lifestyle or yeah. position, whatever it is that they want, I want them to be able to pursue it without the judgment of other women. Yeah, because when do men... Like, okay, there definitely are men who are, you know, shitty men out there, you know, too, who judge people. But I have never felt judgment from a man of my life choices as much as I felt it from other women. I would definitely agree with that. And, well, and it kind of goes for being a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of husbands, I feel like, who work and their wives stay at home, that's how my family was for a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know my dad was really proud to work for our family. And he loved doing that, still loves doing that. Yeah. And my mom is always super busy with four kids, you know, Mm -hmm. running around, managing everyone, growing up. Um, And, you know, it's it's viewed, being a stay-at-home mom is viewed somehow as lesser than when a lot of women do find fulfillment in that. And a lot of women don't. And so in those cases, you know those are more career women and that's okay. But like what we're saying, I think is that both choices are okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't see men judging other women for being stay at home moms. Maybe there's some out there (laughs) that I don't know about. Definitely want to acknowledge that, but for For the the norm though, it really doesn't seem like it. And it feels like too, not just being a stay at home mom, but like not either not getting an education or not using your education you know like, oh yeah like for example I have I have a friend who is an engineer with me in college and um you know she worked as an engineer for a little bit but now she's married and has a kid and now all she wants to do is is be a mom like that's what she loves she wants to be a mom and I definitely know people from our circles from back in the day that judge her for that you know Mm -hmm. like wow she gave up her career in engineering and it's like that's not how we should look at it right she didn't give up anything Mm -mm. she pursued what she wanted to pursue yeah and she she pursued what made her feel happy exactly exactly and I I think that's where we as women get it wrong a lot of the times and I I know I see it in myself a little bit like I can feel that first aversion of like oh why didn't you keep working like why Mm -hmm. didn't you want to be an engineer Mm -hmm. and and it's that's coming from a place of like, I, I feel like what's important to me should be important to other people, you know? And that's just not how it is. Everybody has their own values of what they consider to be important and what they consider to be fulfilling. And so you can't, as a woman, especially, you can't place that on other women. Yeah. You have to let them pursue what they love. Yeah. No, that's interesting that you say it comes from a place of like you wanting other people to also pursue, you know, their career and everything. Mm -hmm. For me, I, my judgment for that has come from complete opposite of I in another life definitely could have been a mm-hmm. stay-at-home mom. I'm super happy with my career now yeah. and what I've picked. But that was a really big point for me of whether or not I wanted to go to medical school. Because, yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. yeah, because I was like, oh, shoot, like, it would be so nice to just, like, bake cookies for my kids. Mm-hmm randomly and have fun treats and pick them up from school and go to all their games and that I mean that's a lot of work and I knew I wasn't going to be able to do that if I picked medical school and so for a while I I was a little bit judgmental because of my own insecurities about Mm -hmm. that and and for a while I thought you know I had to pick medical school because whatever whatever and then Mm -hmm. obviously sorted that out but um 
now I have a good relationship with that, but it's still like a part of me is like, oh man, good, good for you for picking that and not caring about what society thinks. And I really admire women, especially like now who pick, who choose to be a stay at home mom. Yeah. I definitely agree with that because I think if you pursue the career direction and not to say there's only two options of career stay at home mom, but like if you pursue the career, there is there most of the time there is still that expectation that you need to be everything that the stay at home mom is too. Yeah. And that is, that is two careers. That's two careers at the same time. And you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. Almost right away. I would guess. I, I mean, I know I would, I know I couldn't handle that. And so I, when I was deciding to go to med school, you know, I, I realized it wasn't just a heavy decision, meaning like, Oh, I'm choosing the career that I want for the rest of my life. But it's, Oh, I'm not like I'm not just choosing the career, but I'm true. I'm choosing what my family lifestyle is going to be like down the line. Yeah, I'm pursuing a career that yeah. I'm not going to give up because I'm putting years of schooling and debt into it. And, you know, if, if the yeah. time comes and I decide I want to drop it all and be a mom, like great, I will right. do that. You right, know? same, same because it's about the journey and it's about learning and yes. enjoying what you want to do. Yeah, and that's yeah, I definitely had to come to terms with that. Yeah, but I I realized like oh my decision to go to med school is not just a decision to pursue a career. It's right. a decision for my life. Yeah, and and how I'm going to spend it with, you know, my future family and my future husband and, and whatever that looks like for me. Like it's, it's not going to be the childhood I had growing up, which I, I had to mourn a little bit. Yeah. I was like, wow, I, I'm realizing like that I'm pursuing this means I'm not going to have the same, like me and my future husband are not going to be able to be the types of parents that I wanted to be when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, looking at my parents, like I similarly, you know, my mom stayed home with the kids and she had a job, you know, a career. She was an architect before yeah. she had kids and she was great at it, you yeah. know. And um once, you know, they started a family together, like my mom became a stay at home mom. And as a child, from that perspective, I would not have wanted it any other way. My yeah. parents they were at every single piano recital and soccer game and school poetry reading or whatever it is. You know, they yeah. were there because yeah. they had built their lives. They had structured their lives in a way that they realized, like, their family was the most important thing. Right. And so knowing that we're pursuing medicine, like, I still want my family to be the most important thing. Me too. So Me too. just recognizing that that's going to be a lot harder to do with two working parents. Right. You know? Yeah. So just recognizing that it's going to be a challenge and women should support each other in and, that and not judge each other. Yeah. And also not judge each other for the career women who have families mm-hmm. who want to hire help. Yeah. That uh, I will be hiring a lot of help. <laughs> I, will, I will be finding ways to get some help as well. <laughs> yeah. Like not judging women who have a nanny or even stay-at-home moms who have a nanny. Like yeah. nannies, cleaning ladies, you know, I think that's become more of the norm, mm-hmm. but like just putting that out there yeah no judgment everyone gets to pick however they want to live their own life if you're judging you need to take a look at yourself yeah and realize why you're judging yeah so (laughs) yeah i think just to kind of wrap it up like society has definitely planted some seeds in how men and women should view women you know how we view ourselves how other people view us how we view each other Mm -hmm. and it's good to just take a step back every now and then and reevaluate some of these rooted notions that we have. Yeah. And ask where they come from and ask how we can change them. Yeah, and how we can empower each other. Exactly. that is always good. Agreed. Yeah. So, anyway, great talk. Great talk. Oh, <laughs> quick update. 
we decided on the name for the podcast. It is going to be called Howdy from Houston. Wow. And I know. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> yeah. In our first episode, we had mentioned that we didn't have a name and then we decided to go with that name. There it is. So. We like it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Howdy from Houston. <laughs> Catch you next time. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye.